0: Welcome, everybody, to This Week in Legal Blogging for uh, September 24th, 2020. This is the program in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. It's uh, produced and presented by LexBlog.com. I'm Bob Ambrogi. I write a blog called Law Sites and also have a podcast called Law Next. Uh, And uh, just before we get started, a reminder that this is a weekly program. You can find all of our past episodes at uh, youtube.com slash lexblog, and uh, I'll tell you who next week's guest is going to be, so you can look forward to that. That's going to be uh, Dan Schwartz, author of the Connecticut Employment Law blog. But uh, turning to this week's guest, I'm very happy to have uh, an old friend uh, and uh, very well-known uh, blogger, Jean O'Grady. Gene, how are you? Uh,
1: very well, Bob. Very happy to be here, and thanks to you and Colin for inviting me.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's so good to see you even virtually. It's been uh, we were just chatting before we started on how long it's been since we've seen actual human beings in live context. So uh, looking forward to when we can do that again. But how, how have you been holding up and doing during all this crazy time?
1: Well, you know, I've, like other people, I've adapted some routines to keep myself sane. Like I I walk five miles a day, which I, I was sort of irregular about exercise. I have gotten much more religious about it just to have routines and to get out of the house. Um, Although I, you know, it's, it's, and luckily I I have areas where I can walk where it's very isolated and you don't have to worry about running into people and causing controversies by being around people. (laughs)
0: Good, good. That's good. Uh, So uh, I I didn't even introduce the name of your blog, but you are the author of the blog, Dewey Be Strategic, and you, uh, in your day job, are Director of Research and Knowledge at DLA Piper. Um, So tell us just sort of generally about your blog, what you cover, what you do.
1: Okay, well, I started my blog back in 2011. It is astonishing to me. It's going to be 10 years old next February. Um, Baby. That's a baby. (laughs) I didn't – the the two primary reasons I started it were that at that point, there were not many women bloggers. And I kept thinking to myself, somebody should do this, somebody should do this, and one day I got the why not you – And then around that same time, there were a number of articles in the legal press really demeaning librarians and sort of taking the very traditional view of, well, books are gone. We don't need these people called librarians. And and the, the librarian community would sort of like get all into a lather. And I realized, you know, we really need people to start, you know, we need to get our own platforms and we need to start speaking out. And so obviously I think that, you know, people like Greg Lambert uh, and myself and Marlene now, I mean, there have been a number of people who came along and even people like yourself and Ron Friedman understand and are advocates for the importance of information professional professionals and knowledge managers. But it was a pretty, um, Bleak. there wasn't there wasn't actually a lot of awareness, I think, yeah. at that time of how librarians contribute to not only the the practice of law, but the business of law because we were the people bringing in business tools, intelligence tools, analytic tools, and it was like, and people would sort of dismiss you as, oh, you, you know, you shelved the books. and and so we needed, Louder voices and voices that would be taken seriously to advocate for the profession. Yeah. Um, and so that was that, those were two of the reasons. And it's funny because one of the you know, you also I, I started the blog first. I, I reached out to people I was friendly with, Ron Friedman and Greg Lambert. And I talked to younger colleagues. I had no idea how to create a blog. So I worked with two colleagues, Stacey Panglinan and uh, Sean Rebstock, and they helped me technically get it together. And I knew I needed, I wanted a catchy name, like three geeks in a law. The right. law, is, you know, know what that even mean. You know, um, yeah. I didn't know what it meant, but I wanted a catchy name. And I liked um, Adam Smith Esquire, and mm-hmm. Above the Law was sort of like a, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a little word play Yeah. and three geeks. And then one day I was literally sitting at my desk and Dewey, Dewey Be strategic popped into my head because the challenge I was trying to address is answering the question, are librarians strategic? And oh, it was true. a play on that, that problem. So yeah. I think, I actually think that having a memorable name is a, is a really a good asset for a blog. Yeah, and then I went to and that, Greg. And that
0: wasn't a play on Huey Dewey and Louie. That was a play no, on no, no. Uh, Melville Dewey.
1: <laughs> no, and okay. Now here's a here's a sort of a funny thing. Uh, I went to Greg Lambert and I asked for his advice, and he said that when I published my first post, he would promote it. And I came. I went back and I just looked now. I hadn't looked at it in years. His first post about my first post was. Dewey B Strategic comes out swinging. And that was, because I actually had come up with a blog post about, it wasn't, it was sort of about bad behavior by vendors. Like we were mm-hmm. in law firms, vendors always position themselves as we're your partner. And I was looking at all the ways in which efficiencies were driven into law firm by vendors with bad practices. Like we would spend hours resolving billing problems or they'd ship the wrong, and this is back in the paper days, but even figuring out like Lexis and Westlaw bills, there was a lot of unnecessary clerical stuff yeah. that was generated by vendors. So the, the my first blog was, why don't we shift these costs back to the vendors and then they will fix these problems? And it was it it, it wasn't, you know, I mean, it was just saying something loud and controversial. And I didn't even realize. That it was that controversial, but it was, and so Greg reposted that, and it got attention. And then a few weeks later, I, think, I came I think up. i
0: have had their attention ever since. But. Yes.
1: A few <laughs> weeks later, I came up with an even more controversial topic, which is called the myth and the madness of cost cost effective legal research, which was not which was really about at that point. In Lexis and Westlaw each, there were probably, I believe, I calculate there must have been half a million price points because it depended on what file you used, how you printed out, whether you went into an included file, an excluded file, and all different files had price points. And we were watching as even though firms were bringing in these powerful new tools, associates were terrified of them. Because they couldn't figure out how to control the costs. And I said, let's all stand back. This is madness. The goal is to get the answers for the clients. We have to stop obsessing about the 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 pricing, and the and the burden should be on the vendors to come up with simple pricing so associates aren't terrified. Well, that one, I literally watched the hits on my blog go through the roof because it went around the academic community and people were furious because they thought I was criticizing the notion of training people on legal research, which was not the point. Training people on re- legal research was important. It was just the whole pr- rolling the complexities of pricing into it was what made it impossible. So, yeah. so those, those couple of things are what really got my blog on the map.
0: Yeah. So you were really, you really saw yourself as an advocate right from the start, right from the time you launched. Right.
1: from Both for the profession and for sort of to be a a pebble in the shoe of the legal publishing industry. And it's interesting because I do, I know for a fact that because of People like myself and Greg who have acted as watchdogs, it has changed behavior and people, vendors are careful about what they do because they know it's going to be spoken about. And I have even had executives call me up before they did something and they said, we're thinking about doing this. How are you going to react? And I have said, I'm going to react very badly. (laughs) Your 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 customers are going to feel ripped off. Now it doesn't always work, but that that particular vendor at that point did roll back, and they never implemented the policy. Yeah. But uh, you know, not everything I complain about gets fixed. But I think it's still important to be out there and and uh, have a voice yeah. of
0: advocacy. I've had vendors say that to me about you <laughs> that, that we're really worried what Gino Grady is going to think about this. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, hey, I'm here. What about me? <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, you're you're uh, a pebble in their shoe in a, in a good way. I mean, you're not a pebble in the shoe just to be bothersome. You're a pebble in the shoe about issues that they really need to be thinking about and talking about and acting on. And I, I think that's um, probably one of the things that's that's de- helped you know develop your readership over the years is that people understand that and respect that.
1: Yeah, and I and I try to be fair. I mean, I don't want anybody to lose their job, you know, obviously, but I do want people and i i I put a lot of try and put a lot of care into fact checking my my big vulnerability is editing i don't have a good editor and i have friends who have especially a a colleague named deb who is constantly emailing me in the morning like you missed this (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) right uh, yeah i get those emails every day too you misspelled something
1: yes yeah uh
0: yeah um so i you know i I, I guess I don't have to ask you how you got attention for your blog in the early days because it sounded like that happened pretty organically. I mean, did you did you begin to develop an audience and a readership right away? It
1: was pretty, especially after the myth and the madness post. Then I, like I said, I saw that day the chart was going up like crazy. I just watched readers coming to the to the uh, to the site, and and it's just evolved over time. And you know, I know it's funny because from I mean, I know it's a very wide swath. Like I, I know partners in law firms that read my blog, or I have friends who say, oh, my, my husband or my cousin told me about your blog. And people, I don't expect, I mean, I know that investment advisors who cover the legal industry, the legal publishing industry and legal tech industry read my blog. So I, yeah. I, I'm surprised. And, of course, my colleagues. And I have to say it's really heartbreaking. So many of my colleagues have retired. I'm like, oh, no, I lost another reader.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, my sense is that you and I have very, very overlapping audiences in a yes, lot of ways. Sure, I know yeah. a lot of the people. I, I have a lot of information professionals who read my blog and a lot of industry people read my blog. Uh, and, I, and I just know that a lot of the people that I talk to about the stories that I'm covering either have just gotten off the phone with you or about to get on the phone with you. uh, I know. uh,
1: I always want I really do regard you as my main competitor. Like, Oh God, did he get that out five minutes before me?
0: (laughs) It feels that way sometimes. I know know, we're always, we're, we're friendly competitors. Friendly
1: competition.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I think, you know, I I actually think it's interesting because I think you take, well, you generally have a, well, Given that you are actually an information professional, and I am not, uh, you often have a much more sort of nuanced take on a lot of uh, the stories that come out. And, and that sort of, you know, from the trenches take on, on things in a sense. I mean, you I think you understand a lot of this news. You have a perspective on a lot of the stuff that I just don't have and will never have. And I think that that's Really, I find it really useful. I mean, if you have already written about something that I've written about, I'm always going to like look and see what you said about it because I really value your opinion. So,
1: well, you know, the other thing I think I have is a very long view because I have literally watched the evolution of digital research from the very beginning. I remember the washing machine size. Uh, Lexis Terminal being rolled into Pace University Law School. That was where I had my first law librarian job. And I remember the day they f- they brought the first terminal into, into the law library. So I have watched the complete evolution from, you know, online legal research uh, being viewed as somewhat a uh, exotic and something you could live or, uh, live without and now we are living in a world of digital analytics and trend spotting and and predictions i mean it is breathtaking how much what is considered legal research has changed over 30 years and maybe 40 years yeah
0: yeah you know, it's it's interesting. It's, it's something else. I think we have in common um, is some of the, some of the people I speak to as part of this program or other bloggers that I speak to in the legal world are blogging. They blog for a lot of reasons, but one of the big reasons is to bring in clients or bring in business. Uh, I don't get business from my blog, and I don't think you. I mean, no, you don't get no, business. I, You're I you have a you have a day job, and right. You know, I've and,
1: gotten opportunities to speak all around yeah. the world. I think that's right. that's nice. And I've gotten some editorial opportunities. I mean, I, I think if it's ever going to do anything, it's like when I retire, there'll be lots of opportunity (laughs) for my next career.
0: (laughs) Right. No, I mean, it opens doors in lots of ways, but I mean, it's not a direct sort of marketing play. Obviously blogging raises your voice as a, as a thought leader, an influencer, all of those, Mm -hmm. you know, buzzword terms, but, but it's not something you're doing, um, you know, for financial gain, really, for directly in, in any way. Uh, and I'm sure it's helped. I mean, do you think it's changed your career? I don't even know. Have you changed jobs since? No, you've no. It's
1: been, I've, I have not changed jobs since I've had it. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I think it actually would be more of an opportunity. Legal publishing or something. And plus, I love writing. I love following the stories. I mean, I think, I, I think I, maybe I was always a frustrated journalist and it got me an opportunity. It's sort of like fantasy baseball, fantasy journalism, you know, and and I sort of have my own, um, you know, disciplines and routines about it. The other great thing, and this always makes me laugh. I think it has, I mean, it goes back to, it really is a strange passion because I love understanding information and I love watching new things happen. And I love small companies that come up and can possibly disrupt what is going on because I do think, you know, I mean, Lexus, Wessel, they are all great companies, but I love it when these little companies come along and they have a new idea and they are seeing an opportunity that no one in the big company saw. And I, it it, it, it makes me laugh when I when I will be at a conference and these young San Francisco startup types of young people come up to me and say, oh, you're Gio Grady, I really want to talk to you. And I just laugh because... You know, I'm a baby boomer, and they yeah. they really want my advice on positioning their product. Or please come over. And I have a very funny story about having been at AALL, and this is and and Pablo from Case Text waiting in a room where I was going to speak, and he waited in the room and said, "I want to show you a case text." You this we you know they had barely launched the product. And he said, "I really need you to tell me what you think." You know, so it's it's things like that that yeah. are just wonderful. Um, you know, it's just been great. And plus, you know, I know like Ed and Phil from Fastcase from decades ago watching, it's great to watch companies evolve from not even having a booth at a conference to to build themselves up into a serious market player. I just, I I love the, I guess it's vicarious excitement. And I like, I like helping entrepreneurs get a shot. The other thing I, I also find fascinating, and I do a fair amount of this is, interviewing former lawyers who are sitting at their desk saying there's got to be a better yeah, way yeah. and they find a way to translate their frustration into a new product. Yeah. I love, I love talking to those people. Yeah. And I, you know, wish I had come up with my own products, but I'd be very, very right. happy to see how people have the stamina and the dedication to, to develop new ideas
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like we've we've done a Vulcan mind meld as I'm listening to you, because I I, mean, I feel the same way about about blogging in so many in so many ways. And, and I I wonder if you I mean, one of the things that it, it almost sort of troubles me about that is that I have like, you know, like you, I've been following a lot of these people for a long time. I've gotten to know a lot of them for a long time. Uh, and, and I've, you know, always got this sort of journalistic objectivity hat on. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to stay objective because you start to kind of root for some of these people I mean as you mentioned some of the smaller companies that have a really great idea and are coming along and and building up and building up a customer base and you know looking for funding or whatever and you know I, I find myself uh, rooting for them and in and in, in, in a lot of cases or not depending on, on the company but but I mean I, I you know I do certainly form opinions about people and even uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of f- friend, you know, what have become friendships with some of these people who are involved in these companies. And it, uh, you know, I, I sometimes wonder uh, over the years whether that influences uh, my writing. I'm sure it does in some ways. I'm sure in some ways it probably influences the stories I end up deciding to cover or not, because there's more than enough to cover, uh, you know, just can't get to most of it that's going on out there. So I don't know. Have you ever thought well, about that? Or
1: I have two responses to that. One is I do, if I see a shortcoming, I try and be honest about that. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. try. And well, boss, I try and be honest. Yeah. But I don't, you know, years ago, this is, this is way before I was a blogger, somebody had invented this. Uh. I don't know. I think it was a civil rules of civil procedure, digital thing. It was awful. And I wrote a really honest review for some magazine and they didn't publish it. And I was really pissed. And I think it was just because I was so brutally honest. I don't know. It it never got published, but you know, maybe that put a little bit of thought in the back of my head. Maybe, maybe there's a thing as being too brutal. Um, but, uh, the other thing is, From my day job, what I have learned is that competition is necessary. Competition is good. And the size and the footprint of the larger players is so good, so vast compared to the startups. They do need to have people rooting for them. Right. You know, they do need to have people learning about what they're doing.
0: Yeah. All right, Well, let me put you on a spot and ask: Is is there a particular sort of s- small company story that 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 jumps out at you? Is is one of your one of your favorites uh, of how they've developed?
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, there's so many. I mean, like, yeah. I love I love ha- having watched the entire arc of Fast Case yep. to grow from something just pure case law into yep. they ha- have a multifaceted. You know, they are they, I think, are on the verge of being direct competitors to Lexus and Wesla. That is amazing to me yeah. to have watched them grow. But, you know, I, I, just, um, you know, I, I, um, I'm blanking on something. Yeah. No, a, I'm trying to think cause I've, I've interviewed so many different people in the past a couple of weeks. Um, I guess I'm particularly fascinated by products that, take something we've had all along and show us how to, how to get new insights like Daniel, uh, uh Daniel, uh, and Nick at Ravel when they Daniel first Lewis and- with Ravel, they were seeing, they had the data that Lexis and Wesley had had all along and they, they, they figured out a way to get new insights into judges behavior. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the trellis I, I yeah. interviewed, Nicole from Trellis yeah. a couple of weeks ago, she is aggregating uh, documents from state courts and, and yeah. state courts. I think you know this. Yeah, state court that that's where a lot of the the energy is right now is figuring out how do you make the killer state court right. product. Is it on the right. analytic side? Is it on the do- docket side? And uh, Trellis has taken a little bit of a different emphasis and they are they are aggregating the documents within state court filing so it's it's right. fascinating to me to see the different ways people even take a a space a, a subspace in the market and approach it differently
0: yeah uh, as i mentioned earlier you're you know director of research and knowledge at at DLA piper do you how, do, how does your firm react to your blogging and do you feel a need to kind of draw, it, maintain sort of a line between oh, your absolutely. blogging and your day job?
1: Absolutely. And- absolutely. It's not an arm. I have to, you know, I've, I'm always telling people, in fact, you shouldn't be mentioning my firm, uh, you know, cause it's, it has. All right, you know, everybody
0: out there listening, forget you it, heard that.
1: Yes. It's, it's, it's totally my, um, my initiative, I do it at night. I it it doesn't bleed over until into the day. It's something I do at night. Um, you know, I I I absolutely believe it inures benefit to the firm because I know about so many products. Yeah. And there isn't a vendor on earth that won't take my phone call if I have a problem. So right. so so indirectly, there's a benefit. But um, I have you know, and I yes, I talked to Greg Lambert about that before I started my blog. And he said, you know, he said, it's really, really important that you always make it clear you are, this is your opinion, you're working on your own. And, and I actually have a funny story related to that, which is the second phone call I got the day my blog launched was from the library director at Dewey Ballantyne, who said, you have got to change the name of your blog, people are going (laughs) to think it's, it's published by Dewey Ballantyne. And so I went to a, A partner at my firm in intellectual property. And I said, what do I do? And she told me to put a disclaimer and here's the punchline. Who knew my blog would last longer than the Dewey Ballantyne law firm?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Good thing. uh, Good thing you didn't change your name. Um, There is, you know, I'm sure that you've seen the the same thing that I've seen, which is in the eleven years that you've been doing this. Uh, you know, I've been following this industry even longer than that. The the quantity of news has 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 skyrocketed or snowballed. I mean, there is just so much going on, and I'm getting pitched, you know, constantly all day long by any number of people. Uh, and uh, any number of new products coming along. How do you decide? How do you how do you balance your time? How do you decide what you're going to write about? What do you have a routine around it? How do you manage all well, that?
1: It's it's definitely based on time available because I still I have lots of other things going on in my life, and so if I don't, you know, sometimes See, I just I have, have nothing
0: else going on in my life. I, <laughs> have <to>
1: postpone, <laughs> I have to postpone doing things. But it's 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 am I interested in it? Do I think it's, it, do I think I have the expertise to evaluate the product? I mean, cause sometimes people come to me with products like I have no idea. I wouldn't be a good, it's just right. not a good fit. Right. Uh, so it, it, it tends to, I tend to focus on things where I feel like I can add some value or some insight, or I'm genuinely curious about what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And, and do you have a schedule or a routine around blogging? Do you try and blog? How often do you try to blog? I, try, I, I,
1: I like to blog twice a week. I don't always get to do it. I One of the things Ron Friedman warned me about in the beginning, he said, try and blog every day, I mean, every week. And he said, because if your blog gets stale, people won't come back. So I have tried to keep at least once a week. But there have been times when I've had to go a month, you know, when you're traveling on vacation or something, sometimes sometimes. It goes longer, but I think then you make up for it with like three blogs the following week. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, has this period that we're in now, with the, with the pandemic and everybody staying from home, have you been? Has it caused you to write more often, or do you, have you no, has it changed no. anything about your blogging?
1: No. Well, I did think in a way everybody was in shock. I felt like I was being getting fewer pitches in the beginning i felt like yeah. that that the whole marketplace was in confusion no i but actually i did get to write quite a bit about what how legal publishers were responding to covid and a lot of them very very quickly pivoted to try and put up free information Uh, you know, whether it was analytics or documents or, you know, different kinds of things, people put up toolkits. I did keep like a running list at some, at one point of different things the vendors were doing. So that was, that was interesting to see how they responded.
0: Yeah. Um, Have you seen a, a, again, you're kind of focused on on the legal information industry, I guess. Um, Have you seen, I mean, what what sort of the state of blogging within that industry? Have there been many more blogs that have come along that are covering oh, that that area, or? I do.
1: I think there's fewer because you know Greg obviously has switched mostly to doing podcasts. Yeah. Um. You know, I there's the Ginger Librarian. Um. I'm not really that yeah. aware of of a lot of new ones, yeah. and I met her at a conference, that I was like, keep going. Yeah. Um, you know, just keep it up. You know, she has a good voice. I mean, I think yeah. that. You can't start a blog because you feel like having a blog. You have to start a blog because you have something to say and you're something you're passionate about. And you have to be a reasonably articulate writer. And that's the one thing I think has changed is I think I have learned to write a lot faster. I mean, there have been times and there's still sometimes when it's just agony to write, like I will have an idea and it never comes together and I just have to drop it. Um, but I think, um, I've gotten, somehow I have developed a skill to be able to turn something that is reasonable around in, you know, a few hours where it used to be agony.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's still agony. Uh, <laughs> it depends on it depends on what you're writing about. Right. Like, like yeah. you say, it's if if it's something you're excited about or interested in, it's so much easier than when it's something that's like, I feel like I should write about this, but it doesn't really excite me that much. But maybe maybe you don't do as much of that kind of stuff. I, I end up covering a lot of stuff. And sometimes I just feel like it's like it, it's newsworthy, but it doesn't. It doesn't excite me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the availability of time—if you're not excited about it—you just can't find the time. I don't know. So, yeah. but I, I do have—I had—I had some great ideas that I never got off the, de- the the ground, and I I still have the folders. Like I started collecting materials, and maybe someday I'll get back to them. But I don't know. It, it's it is it is tough, and so it's it, it, again the pressure to keep. The blog alive. You you focus on what can I get out this week, and sometimes that pushes away the more, the more, you know, maybe the more important issues. I mean, you know, one of the things I I wrote about that, and I I don't think there's been as much of of an opportunity lately uh, when ALL was going to ch- change their name to the Association for Legal Information. I felt very passionately that we should drop the word librarian. And that was very controversial um, because people have a a passionate identification with their profession. But on the other hand, I believe, you know, as as a woman who has been in the the legal profession for 40 years, I think that being identified by librarians, at least in law firms, has inhibited the growth or the, the upward mobility of librarians within law firms. Cause it's like, does the word librarian open doors for you or closed doors? And like it or not, I don't think it has been an empowering name. And it's, you know, if you, and I, years ago, and this is one of the things that shocked me. I did a post. Um, I was about um, our librarians wearing an invisible glass ceiling. And I tracked in that post When law librarians had been in law firms, at least since 1930s, IT people came in in the 70s, marketing people came in in the 80s, and everyone had leapfrogged over librarians to the C-suite. Why were librarians not recognized for so long? And so one of my passions, ongoing passions, is I want the next generation of librarians to have opportunities. I don't want them to face uh, stereotyping. I don't want other people coming along and taking what they do and rebranding it as something else. <laughs> right. So,
0: uh,
1: so yeah. and that, that was one blog post that didn't get much traction at all. I mean, I was really surprised that at that one, I thought it was one of the best blog posts I ever wrote and it hardly anything.
0: Huh. I, I mean, but th- that was also uh, I mean, I, re- I remember the, uh, the, the pro what, What's the program that takes place the day before double oh, The summit. The summit. Yes. Yeah, it, and you were the chair of it, or the president, yes. or whatever one year when they that was kind of the topic of discussion that year.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I forget what year that was, but five years ago, maybe six years ago, I don't I know. I think
1: it's longer than that.
0: <laughs> longer than that. Okay. Uh, but no, I you know I kind of agree with you on that, and and I mean it really goes back to what you were saying for why you started the blog in the first place, which is that there was all this sort of talk about. Law libraries dying, and and libraries becoming uh, the sort of uh, uh, you know thing of the past, the sort of dinosaur. Uh, and and people still associate. I think so many people still really have no idea what the job of a law librarian is, or what they do, or what they can do. Uh, and so, you know, I think by re relabeling the position, you're you're opening up possibilities, as you suggested, and open up, opening up people's eyes to the possibilities for what, what these professionals can do and what they do. Um, so I, have you, has your, um, if, if you were, uh, to, uh, if somebody were to come to you today, uh, and, and say, uh, you know, I'm a a, 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 younger legal professional, information professional in the legal area, and I'd, I'd like to start, Start a blog. Would would you tell them uh don't do it because I've got the territory sewn up or <laughs> what advice would you give somebody no, who I would to start? A blog?
1: You know, find something you're passionate about. You know, yeah. I think the, the important thing is to have both enthusiasm and expertise. Those two things really yeah. help. And you know, develop friends. I mean, it's been one of the best things has been the way it has just exploded my network. You know, yeah. I just I know people like you and Colin, and you know when I when I go to conferences, I I always get I have an excuse to talk to anybody, you You're know. A rock
0: star when you go to conferences. Yeah,
1: you know, it's 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 really really been nice uh, to, uh, to 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 uh, the the social part of it in terms of learning more. It is like endless learning because you know I have picked you know I'm not talking you know I, I I'm talking about a a market segment that is exploding with innovation. So you can basically never get bored right. it, there's always something around the corner.
0: Yeah. Do you, um, to, uh, to the extent is built out your network like that, do you, do you engage with that network through means other than your blog? I mean, in other words, are you big on social media? Are you engaging? With
1: I am, in other ways, I am not very good outside of my blog. I don't, I, I, maybe it's generational. I am, I am not pretty much not on Facebook. And I think somebody told me, oh, you need to be on Facebook. I'm not anywhere. I do have it. I have a fair number of followers on LinkedIn. I'm not great on Twitter. So I mostly it's my blog. And I think I probably could have. I'm sure Lex being on Lex blog probably helps a lot in terms of getting me exposed to more places. And then having the ABA uh, blog awards probably helped me get because I'm listed on the ABA. So there's been things like that. but. I think it's more generational. I'm ju- I just have not really pursued. There's probably a lot of opportunity there and a younger person would know how to exploit that better than I did. So go get it. <laughs> you
0: know. All right, sounds good. I, I don't know if it's an age thing. I think I'm probably older than you and I'm I'm on Twitter and all of those things. So uh, it's it's not exactly an age thing. But but uh, you know one of the interesting things about that is that what starts to ha- I don't know if you get this as well as, as much as I do but now I no longer get pitched just through my email, I'm getting pitched through my LinkedIn and through my Twitter and uh, people texting me and, and uh, you know, every other, and I just can't even keep up with it. I mean, it's, I, I was looking at my my LinkedIn last night and I, you know, I had these messages from a, two weeks ago that I had never seen, people telling me about products that were about to break. By the time I saw them, it was too late, so sorry. So I don't know. If, I don't know if you get that problem with people no, just I'm like coming to, at you from every direction, wanting you to write about them.
1: Right. More. I haven't more from LinkedIn. That is yeah. absolutely happening. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, well, what other, uh, any other kind of final thoughts or closing thoughts or advice you want to share about blogging or about your experience?
1: Um, I think that the biggest thing for me to overcome before I started. Was fear of being criticized. I mean, that was a really big fear of like I'm going to say something out in the world, and sometimes people are going to piss me off and be mad at me. And it was sort of, it was almost a relief because that happened early on when I did that blog post about uh, the the myth and the madness of cost-effective legal research. I got that all out of the way early, and you know, and if you know, there have been times when people misunderstood or maybe I even got a fact wrong. I will, if I am wrong, I will go back and I will admit it and correct it. I think that's the other thing is you need to be fair to people. You know, it's like, uh, I, I always wanna be viewed as being fair, you know, yeah. and and giving people a fair shot. So that's been important to me.
0: Yeah, I think I've learned over the years that you're probably gonna piss somebody off almost every day. Uh, <laughs> and as long as, as long as you are fair uh, and continue to be fair then uh, ultimately uh, people are gonna know that about you. And uh, those few times that you piss, or not those few times, as many times that you piss people <laughs> off, that'll just uh, kind of slide off because others others will respect the fact that you're fair. So, well, Jean, it's been a real pleasure to uh, talk with you and uh, hear about your blog and and to see you virtually. And I hope I get to I see you sometime uh, at a real conference soon.
1: Hopefully, well, great. Thank you for asking me. It's It's really been fun.
0: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I hope you uh, I hope you are able to stay well. But Thank um, you. Yeah. So we've been talking with uh, Gene Grady of Dewey Be Strategic. Not not Ballantyne Be Strategic or uh, Piper Be Strategic, but uh, Dewey Be Strategic. And uh, you've been listening to this, watching and listening to this week in Legal Blogging. We will be back next week where, again, our guest will be Dan Schwartz of the Connecticut Employment Law Blog. You can catch this episode and all of our past episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash lexblog. On behalf of uh, everybody at lexblog.com, this is Bob Ambroji. Thank you very much for watching.